Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity Greger. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. We help you get your business off the ground and up running smoothly so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Go to wiredtochange.com to get more information on our programs. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wired to change With the number two. There you go. Our show today, we're focusing on 10 questions to ask a new business owner. And I know there's about 400 million more questions to ask, Trinity. There are a bunch of questions you need to ask yourself before you start your own business or get into being a small business owner. This is true. And this is part of our 10 series. So we're going to do, I think the next three episodes are all in parts of 10. When you decided to go from a hiring person and a training person at Hunter Road to a realtor, who did you ask questions of? Myself. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine. Which is fine. So when um, the... When you're going into business, so I had the benefit of already being a business coach. So I'm not a very good example. But when I would interview um, potential agents who were coming in, um, the very first piece of advice that I would give them when they were thinking of starting their own business was whether you work with us at Hunter Row where you have a business coach provided to you or if you move on and you decide not to pursue real estate or you pursue real estate at a different firm, hire a coach because that person is going to wind up saving you so much time and effort and money in the long run that's going to allow you to devote that time that you would have been spending trying to figure things out into actually going out and gaining clients and becoming profitable quicker. It's a lot like a big life decision. Rarely do people make that decision without consulting anybody, be it a spouse, a family member, a coworker, a mentor. It's the same thing on, and yes, we're business coaches. And yes, we think people should have business coaches because we both benefited from that. Yeah. I've had, oh, I don't even know how many coaches I've had over the years, but at least six people that I've paid money to that I've used in a business coaching or life coaching capacity. Um, I've also had a lot of business mentors. Now, those are people that you're not necessarily paying, but who have either walked the path before you or, um, you know, I had a couple of business mentors who were just people that I greatly admired and all I wanted to do was pick their brains and just learn and soak up as much of their knowledge as possible because they had either sunk a couple of businesses and I knew that I could learn from that because I've been fortunate enough not to sink any yet. Um, I'm sure we'll start one at some point that yeah, is just one, a total bomb. I need at least one bomb. <laughs> it only made us 150000 yeah. so we'll get but there. But what about you? What would your what would be your um, the first bit of advice that you would give to somebody who's thinking about starting a business? I want to ask them why. Why? Why okay. they're getting into this. Is it a passion of theirs that they've... Is it, is it they've decided I'm tired of working for somebody? Is it I know more than most of the people I've worked for and I can do it better, but why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. I like the people that say, this is a passion of mine. I've wanted to do it. I am doing this. I'm good at it. I'm ready to hang up my own shingle. Mm-hmm. I've Have also, you ever, oh, sorry, I've also heard from people, I researched the best businesses to start and all the stuff I've read says this is the one you can make the most money. And I tell people, okay, then your expectations are going to be way different. The questions you're going to ask are going to be way different. Because if you're just in it for the money, 
are you going to wake up every day going, this is what I was born to do. I love waking up and doing this every day. Right. Right. And that's what I love. That's so I, I go straight to the why mm-hmm. you make, you sell houses, you cut grass, you make cakes, you design mm-hmm. websites, whatever it is, what's your why and are you finally doing it? Have you ever done the iceberg exercise? I have not <laughs> seen the movie, but have not done the exercise. Oh well, unlike when um, Jack lets go and <laughs> settles to the bottom of the yes. ocean, this is a different type of iceberg. Um, it's where you ask yourself why seven times, because you know when you look at an iceberg, you only see the ten percent that's on top. Yes, the rest ninety percent of the iceberg is under the water. So I say, okay, if you're going to ask why, you need to keep digging and peeling back every layer of that onion to get to the true why. Because if it's to make money, well, why do you want to make that money? And then just keep asking why and keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And then eventually you'll get to the root of what it is that you truly want to do and what's really fueling you to get there. It's all Yes, and it's also important to do something you know a little bit about. That oh, you think? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You would, <laughs> might wanna, it would make the transition a little easier, <clears throat> and then you can sell it better, too. Right. One of the things that I get asked a lot, especially within real estate, because there is a common misconception that anyone can get started in business yeah. in real estate, and they're going to make all this money, but how much money should someone have saved up before launching a business? I think you and I, we've talked about this before. We're in mm-hmm. that six-month range. Just yeah. to, to, If you had to pick a number Minimum. that mm-hmm. you have, the successful people we've talked to set a time frame that I'm prepared not to make a penny for X amount of months. Yep. And knowing that, you want to manage your own expectations. You want to manage expectations of your spouse. And if you know from day one you're not going to make any money till the end of six months, then your stress level is going to go down because you know nothing's coming in. And after if you don't do that after a month, you're beating yourself up. Now you're mm-hmm. starting to do. Now you're starting to make bad decisions because you're making decisions just to make a dollar. So you're cutting your price. Mm-hmm. You're taking a job you didn't want to take. It just causes a lot of problems when you start working for a dollar instead of for the business. Right. Yeah. I, I think six months at a minimum. Um, before you actually start making money. And then I also recommend that people have another six months Mm -hmm. because the money you start making, your business will grow fastest if you're reinvesting that back into the business. So if you can ideally have six months of money saved up that's going to be paying your expenses and your business expenses. And that's, I think, where a lot of people get lost is that they, they say, well, I have enough money that I can live off of for six months. Well, but you also, it takes money to make money. And if you don't have some money saved up for your business expenses or a line, you know, a line of credit or a way to access a line of credit, then it's going to really stunt your growth in your business as you're trying to get going and you can't make decisions or do things that are going to further your business because your hands are tied and you don't have any access to any cash. Depending on the business you're starting, you if it's, let's assume it's not a brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, you can limit the expenses. Right. Like we have, but we still yes. had to have a website. Still had to have a website. We go to networking still events. Have networking. So, right. So money's going mm-hmm. to come. You got to buy a meal, do yep. all things. So there's little costs like that that are going to add up over time. Attorney fees, filing Absolutely, fees, yep. starting up your business fees. I mean, there are a lot of 
and all those small expenses, mm-hmm. your our email, our um, you know hosting our website, like there are things that you have to pay for as a small business owner that if you don't have access to be able to set those things up, it's going to really set you back. So, how many, how many miles do you think you put on your car in a week? Oh gosh, exactly a lot. Yeah, and you're yeah. all of a sudden you're going to the gas station going way this, more. Going, yeah. So and you've got in change the real your estate realm, yeah, and you got oh, oil I changes, yeah, bounce the tires, mm-hmm. all that, all those factor into, and they're not really hidden cost, but they're costs you have to project for. And so you know they're not hidden, but they're often unthought about. Yes. Yeah, right. You, that's why, and your point was good. Not only do you have to put down on paper, my mortgage is this, my food bill is this, my insurance, you got to do all that. Childcare, all right. the things that you normally need to pay for. Plus, how is your lifestyle going to be impacted mm-hmm. by the increased cost of doing business? And there's always a cost to doing business. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we already have a plan for how we're going to reinvest our money and how we're going to do things. Yes. and. Having a plan of how you're going to reimburse the first bit of profit and who you're going to pay back and knowing going into it what that's going to look like is really important. If you know you want to take two people to lunch a week and you get six Starbucks a week, and everybody laughs at that Mm because it's an easy way to go, but again, you've got to do some math. What am I willing to give up to reach my goal? And it could be... Let's say you're a golfer and you're not a member of a country club, but you meet your buddies every Saturday morning mm-hmm. to play golf. Okay, once a week I'm not going to play golf because that money will pay for both lunches. Right. To do that. And then after three months, once you start bringing some money in, okay, let me add that fourth Saturday back. Yeah. But it's little things like that that you've got to factor in on what's going out because it's it'll catch up with you it quick. Will. It absolutely and then will. You, again, when you start doing things just for a dollar – you change the reason why you got into this. And sometimes you change not your values of who you are, but I want to do, the, I want to provide this service for this level of service for mm-hmm. people. And then all of a sudden you're taking a house. And again, nothing, let's say now you're driving 50 miles because somebody's going to give you a listing on a house that you normally wouldn't say, take, not going to take it. Right. Now you're going out there. You've got to show a couple people. Uh-huh. You've got to put the sign up. You got, you're making six, eight trips out there that you normally wouldn't. Yeah, I took on a what I would call a, a bad client last year. Um, and no, all my clients that are listening, it wasn't you. <laughs> <laughs> this person's not, I can guarantee they're not listening to this podcast right now. Um, but I took on a bad client and um, it wound up costing me so much of my time that I could have, I could have had five or six more sales last year had I not taken on that bad client, and I had to learn that. I mean, it was my very first year selling real estate full time, and I needed to take my lumps, mm-hmm. and I did. Even though it was humbling to have to <laughs> learn that, I'd coached so many people around that, but then to experience it, oh, it was rough. But taking on a bad client. Because I felt like, you know, I wanted, I had goals I'd set and I wanted to hit these numbers and I took on a client and it was a buy sell. So it was not, not even, it was, it was two transactions and it just sucked the life out of me. And it made me, um, really tired 
and unable to focus on the things that I should have done because they were so draining. And it's okay not to take a client. Absolutely. If we used to give out fit. prizes <laughs> and awards when people would say no to a bad client because yep. when you say no to a bad client, it frees you up. It frees you up mentally. It frees you up um, financially because those people drained me. I probably didn't make a penny on on those transactions. And at the end of the day, they're not going to be a referring client. The analogy to that is if you've managed people before and you have one employee that takes 60% of your time, you don't need that employee working for you because you're not right. You're not, or coach them up or get them out. That means you are spending 40% of your time on the rest of your employees, and that's not a good ratio. Mm -hmm. In the commercial cleaning business, my brother and I owned for a while. We wanted to get into a, a certain area of town, and we thought, you know what, Let's. we got a chance to get a small account, thinking, well, let's just get in there, and then I can go knock on doors and find a bigger account to get to pair with that so I can send one person to clean both. Mm-hmm. That's the bass-ackwards way to go on that. Yep. Should have gotten the bigger client and then gone to get the smaller ones because it's easier to do when you get a $100 client and you're making 32 bucks a month off of that, not worth managing when an right. $800 one can bring you, that's the way to do it. So start yeah. start with what you want instead of what you. what's the only thing you can take. Yeah, and I would, um, you know how much I love the book Good to Great yes. by Jim Collins, and he has a quote, and I think it applies to both staff and also your clients because um, as we grow our businesses, yeah, we have staff, but we also have clients And his quote is, if you have the wrong people, it doesn't matter if you discover the right direction. You still won't have a great company. Great vision without great people is irrelevant. And I could not agree with that more. It's just you have to have the right people in the right seats, whether it is the people that are helping support you in running your business or whether it's your clients that you're working with. I ask people all the time that run a business or come up with an idea, I ask them to think of themselves when they're the customer. Mm-hmm. Whether you walk into Target, Home Depot, it doesn't Ooh, matter. Exactly. Why do you go there? Why do you shop there? Why do you keep going back? It's, it's usually, yeah, <laughs> but it's usually that they welcome you. Now, the, the price matters. You're not going to go to Neiman Marcus for something you get at Walmart or Target. So, that, but I don't go factors. to Walmart. I know that you like going Love to Walmart. Walmart. Second, I I hate hunt. Walmart. I would rather pay more for my Target experience. Oh. You you can go to Walmart all day long, keep them in business, <laughs> uh, but I will pay more. I know yep. I pay more for things yep. at Target. Mm-hmm. For the experience. Right. But in my point is the people there treat you right. Mm-hmm. Think of the last thing you scratched off your list. It's usually you got bad service. Right. Sometimes it's the product you got, either the food or whatever you bought didn't work. Right. But it, it's usually the service. They were so rude, so mean, nobody talked to you. If that turns you off as the customer, that should tell you what you need to do when you hire employees about how they should treat your customers. Mm-hmm. Always put yourself in the seat of the customer. If I don't like that being done to me, why are, why would I do it or why right. would my people do that to our customers? Exactly. There's no discussion on it. If you don't like it, chances are your customers aren't going to want to yeah. be treated that way as well. Our third question. And we have gone round and round we on this have. trying to explain. Go we ahead have. with the question. We have. Yep. So our third question, and this is something that when you and I first met, we thought, we thought we had a disagreement about it. 
And then Correct. we went around and around, like you said, and we found out that we actually are in complete agreement. But it took us a while to figure out that we were saying the same thing, but in a different way. Which, and one of the things we want to keep reminding people, when you come to us for coaching, there's no one box fits all. Mm-mm. A lot of times it's, okay, what do you want to do? What path do you want to go? And we'll help you down that road. So there's plenty of different ways to coach. Our our differences initially were jump whether you jump all in or you slowly ease into it. Mm-hmm. The common denominator was have a plan. Have a plan. Have a plan. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the previous question: How much money do I need to save? Yep. If question you're starting, a, if you're starting a, if you keep your full time job and you're starting a side hustle, mm-hmm. that number's way different right. than if I'm quitting my daytime yeah. job Which and is starting that. Question number three is. What about quitting a day job to launch a business? Is it a good or bad idea? And it's both. It's both. Depending on yes. who you are, what uh-huh. your situation is. If you've worked for a company, I keep going back to building websites. If you've worked for a company that that's what you do and you do it well, for you to leave that company to start your own business is not a huge stretch. Mm-hmm. You already have a client base. Some may come with you. You may not have to wait six months. But if you build websites and all of a sudden you and you're a lawn guy, you love grass and cut stuff and, and landscaping, and you want to start a landscaping company, nobody knows you as a landscaper, that's going to be a long haul to right. bring in any money. So I would, um, when people would come to me and say, you know, I'm thinking about getting into real estate part time, <laughs> send, <them, laughs> send them to me. I'll, I'll I shoot would that tell down them quick. that. If you can do full-time effort and part-time hours, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Then do it part-time. Yep. But if you can't squeeze full-time effort into part-time hours, then you have no business rolling in and trying to start a business because it's your your track, the amount of um, the thing an airplane lands on. Why can I not think of this a word? Runway. runway. Oh, sweet. I need some more. Need I need some more, some more tea. sweet tea. I need some more sweet tea. This is it. This is the sugar hitting. I, I s- switched up my normal unsweet tea, nah. had Mike top me off with some sweet tea, and I'm like, wee! Yeah. <laughs> but run. that runway then gets so much longer. Yes. So if you can fit in full-time effort and part-time hours, then you shorten that runway and you're in the air faster. And again, for small business owners, think of you put your consumer hat back on. Mm-hmm. How many businesses in your town have you never heard of? And they're full time. Mm-hmm. If you go into something full time, part time, there's even less people are going to hear about you. And if less they don't people. know you're out there, it's yep. going to be a long, that runway got long, way longer. Really long. Um, so, you know, making sure that you have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how much money you need, and you know how much runway it's going to take to get off the ground, definitely those first three are super, super important. Next question is, what's the most, and I love this one, what's the most common misperception people have about being a business owner? The, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind, and Trinity's got a, a, a more practical answer, but the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, they get to travel and take a vacation all the time because they own their own business. Mm-hmm. While technically correct, Who's running your business and who's filling right. up your pipeline? Right. But your answer is actually very way more practical and to the point. Did you write that down? Yeah, I, I got didn't. It. Okay. What do you have? Ninety percent of it, you have just earned a sales job. Yes. 
and that's what it is. It's Gosh, all of it. Yes. Sometimes I tell you things yeah. and I'm like, that's so smart. Oh, I was smart enough to write it down. Yeah, you were smart <laughs> enough to write it down because I, for, I you forgot about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. But you're right. You've just earned yourself a sales job. You just earned yourself you start a sales job. Your own business. Right. And that, uh, if you are out there and you have not yet read or listened to the E Myth Revisited, mm-hmm. by far one of my. You know, it's. I always say all these books are my favorite books. Yes, but I get it, yeah. in reality, The E-Myth is the very first book that somebody should read prior to starting a small business because there is a big misconception that if you're good at something, you can then become a good business owner. And mm. that's not true because I might be really good at cleaning teeth. It does not mean that I'm going to be really good at owning a dental practice. Correct. In small business, again, we've said this and we'll say this time and time again, it is not for everybody. Right. If you are not willing to take a risk or you're not willing to go all in on yourself, mm-hmm. it's probably not for you. Right. But if you're willing to do that, the the, oh, the benefits are huge. There's no guarantee, let's say that too. Yes. But the benefits, benefits of owning your own business are wonderful. Yes. But yes. You just earned yourself a sales job. There you so go. Welcome yep. to sales. And a full-time one. If a you full-time do one. <laughs> and also, uh, once you are up and running, yes, I do enjoy taking and love my vacations. Yeah. But that came earned. That's not, I think that's the other biggest mis- misperception is people will fail in business because they take their freedom too soon. Yes. And that... Succeeding in business is all about delayed gratification. And if you can master the art of delayed gratification and put in the sweat equity early on, then you're going to enjoy lots of vacations for a very long time versus taking that one vacation that you really couldn't afford in the first place and wondering why your business is faltering and falling apart and your phone isn't ringing. It's, uh, I like when life comes down to a simple math equation. You own your own business, so yes, technically you could take every Friday off just because you own your own business. You don't have to put in time. You don't have vacation hours that you've spent or need to add. But your pipeline is going to be 20% drier because you did not work that day. And that will right. come home one day on you. Mm-hmm. It will. And one of the things you can do is go hard. If you know you're going to take Friday off, go harder Monday through Thursday to make sure you keep adding, make sure you add that 20% back in for the week. But you are welcome to take every Friday off. Just know that your pipeline is going to be 20% less Mm -hmm. because you do that. Absolutely. Skill sets. Oh, I have my moments. Number five. Skill sets. What's crucial for a budding entrepreneur? Your two I love that we talked about last uh-huh. night, problem solving and perseverance. Yep. I wrote down right again, problem solving. So yep. see, I remembered it twice. <laughs> yes. uh, perseverance goes right, right in alignment with um, the ability to handle rejection. Um, yes. When you're starting a small business, you are going to run into a lot of emotional roadblocks, financial roadblocks, just roadblocks in general, and you need to be able to persevere. This is the number one reason why I've hired six-plus business coaches over my career. Because even when I was coaching other business coaches, because one of my jobs in the past was training trainers and coaching coaches, I had a coach because I would get frustrated and I'd be like, I am not getting through this person 
And I knew that if I didn't have somebody coaching me, that my, my energy would falter. And if you're not at your best, you can't be helping your clients the best. And the problem-solving ability um, goes back to, not to harp on it, but the e-myth, because you could be a really great technician, and by technician in the book, they mean the person that's really good at doing the work. So um, very often, somebody who is a great computer programmer, who's really good at computer programming, decides that they're going to go out and they're going to start their own business doing computer programming, but they don't know a lick about actually running a business. And if you're not a really top-notch problem solver, you're going to have a very hard time running your business if you don't seek a lot of outside extra help. Especially as a solopreneur, Mm -hmm. you are the only and last line of defense. Right. You get everything. Yes. And then you get... All the glory and all of the heartache. Then you hire somebody. Mm -hmm. Okay, the dynamics have changed now. Now I'm responsible for that person. I'm still the... I'm still the, the, you know, but now I've got to worry about that. So there's all kinds of different scenarios when you get into that. My my answer on the, the skill set, one of the biggest ones you have to have for being a small business owner, just the want to. You got to want this because it's, it's hard when you are 100% commission and it's all you. Right. It's hard. And when you're starting a business, that's what you are. You earned yourself a sales job yep. and you are now on 100% commission. <laughs> so if you're out there in the listening sphere and thinking about starting a business and you say, oh, I'd never want a job that's 100% commission, that's exactly yep. what starting a small business oh, yeah. is because you and have to earn every penny of it. And you're the last one that gets paid. Yep. You better Absolutely. pay your, your vendors, vendors, you better pay all the bills, and then it's first. like, oh, there's $81 left for yeah. me this week. Yes. Biggie sweet tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, from the dollar menu. The next one is, can a hobby ever translate into a business? I think we talked about that. Although the... You and I, we had we also had a, hmm? a good conversation about this last night, because this goes... Back to what we were talking about in terms of taking your side hustle and turning mm-hmm. into a business. And um, Mike actually changed my mind. Ooh, where's the chalkboard? Where's yeah, the chalkboard? let's write that one down on whether a hobby can translate into a business because I have been coaching people for so long that they just need to go in whole hog. And you opened my eyes to a new opinion. Gosh, it is really hard for me to say these <laughs> words. <laughs> I'm going to circle this episode. I know. And yes, I now do agree that you can take a hobby or a side hustle and you can help that translate into a business. But with a coach. But with a coach. you got to yes. get some help on that. You, otherwise, you're just spinning your wheels. You may think it's a great idea. You may love doing that, but you're going to find out, I'm only making 10% on the margin mm-hmm. Yeah. Why am I doing all this? I love doing this. I, I know how to do it, but you've never run it. You never right. managed it before. I would say one of the best things that I ever did in my coaching career is I have talked more people out of getting into real estate than into it. And I think that's one of the um, benefits of our small business seminar because the whole thing is designed not to convince people to start businesses, but to help them figure out whether they should start a business or if they should run for the hills, 
or if it's something that they should do at a later date in time, or if they're already started a business, if they're able to, if that's something that's going to be uh, sustainable and, and growable. And that's really, I mean, for 99 bucks to be yeah. able to figure that out oh, yeah. is, is yeah. huge. On my Triangle B&I podcast, and I forget who the guest was that I was talking to. I'm shocked. I know. Maybe you need another sip of sweet tea. No, I just need the list in front of me. That's how bad it's getting. We were talking about what, uh, I think it was Ashley Rutledge, the CPA. Ashley, if you're out there, I'm giving you credit that you said this. Trying to figure out, she went to her her close friends and family and said, what do you think I would be good at? She wanted to start something. She wasn't quite mm-hmm. sure. So what do you think? Maybe it wasn't actually. What I would be good at. And I thought, that's great feedback to get. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't see ourselves. We think we do. We may, we, we may think we're good at customer yeah. service and we're not or vice right. versa. So I thought that was a great bit of advice. If you're thinking yeah. about starting a business, just go ask your friends, hey, uh-huh. if, if you told me, if you picked a business for me to start, what would it be? And just see what you get. What would you pick for me to do? Uh, you, something that involves extensive training for people because you're that good at drilling deep down instead of saying, Hey, here's a lawnmower. Just go cut. You are very good at drilling down to getting people understand the whys Uh and getting them to answer some hard questions. So not really a full answer, but something that would involve a lot of training because that's what you're good at. And it shows you love doing that. Hmm. Interesting. Do I want to ask you the same question, Mike? For me. Oh, for you, it's talking all day yeah, long. That's what I'll talk all day. Yeah. Just pay me to talk yeah. all day. I'll be good. Talking, telling stories, and really getting people to open up. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love that. You're, love you're that. so good at it. Why, thank you. Yes. Question number seven, if you've never managed people before, how do you build a valuable team? Ooh. Personality profiles, right? Oh, I hired and yes. trained people for years. <laughs> yes. Personality profiles. So many people over the years have told me how hokey all these personality profiles are. But one, did I ever tell you the number one reason why I used personality profiles when I was hiring? Yep. But go ahead again. You did. So it was not necessarily to select people. It was to be able to tell people why they weren't a good fit. That made it not personal about them or about us. And I was able to use the tool as a way to say no to them, but preserve the relationship. Yes. And you have no idea when you're working in a small community, like the real estate industry or, um, I mean, even RDU is such a small, it's a big city, but it's a small city. Everybody knows each other. Yes. And um, having good relationships, very, very important because you might interview someone for a role today, and they're not a good fit for it, but they're a good fit for a role that comes up when you grow four years from now. And you're like, oh, man, that person I interviewed in 2019, that's the person that I need yeah. for this role. So They better have the values you have and the vision right. you have. Yes. If, they're, if they're any kind of title or part of your business, they better share right. the same vision and, you have. And people who are willing to take a personality profile, it shows that they are learners, that they're willing and ready to grow, that they um, are the type of people that you would want on your team in general. And figuring out if you share the same values and if you are going to be able to have a synergistic relationship. Like with Mike and I, 
we're really we are we're wired the same but our <laughs> but we are so different oh, yeah. and it really works for us in the ways that we're able to mirror each other in some capacity but then the things that we're different on we're I'm really strong in some things mm-hmm. and vice versa it, it forces us to look at the other uh, it's like oh and looked at it that way because mm-hmm. of our our age our yeah background, like you our changing profession. my mind on things I like thought, what Circle this episode right here. I, I will tell a funny story about our logo. Uh, working with uh, Fonz, a guy named Fonz, who's designing our logo. The Fonz. Yeah, and he sent me about seven options that he had just hand-sketched. And I sent Trinity an email. All I said was, your thoughts. And the answer back was the exact one I picked. And mm-hmm. I, we never prompted each other, and that was in the span of overnight. So those are the type of things that tell you, you know, what we kind of see things the same way. We do. I'm going to jump up. I'm going to pass on eight. I'm going to jump to number nine here. Uh, the key to why ha- are you passing number eight? Uh, unexpected way to grow clientele. Yeah, I, I you, like you, that. Well, you talked well, about that. Is you you talk people out of not getting into the business. And we, I like podcasting. We've talked about technology, mm-hmm. social media, and, and right. things like that. So I don't know. I probably forgot the thought on why I put the question down. But next question is, so what's the key to happy clients? And ours is probably, it's different. We explained it different, but it's the same answer. It's communication. Communication. Hands yep. down, going back to what you were talking about just minutes ago, when you said, when you have someone that treats you poorly, even if it's the best product in the world, you're going to go somewhere else and seek something else. And that that is the number one key to retaining clients, to gaining new clients, is having really strong and consistent communication. If they don't feel like they're in the dark, then you are going to have a much happier and healthier relationship with your with your clients. And again, put on your consumer hat when you're dealing with a vendor. Let's say you're having a, a you're you're getting a new roof for your house. And the vendor comes by and you like what they're selling, how they do it, you've researched them and they're five-star everything. You've got three friends that have used them and they tell you we're going to show up Monday. And they give you the list of how the week is going to, let's assume I have no idea how long it takes to put a roof on. Let's say it takes a week. Cause I, yeah, I think it's been a while since yep. I've done that. And let's say it takes a week to do that. And they give you in writing, here's what's going to happen each day, probably barring weather. Here's what's going to happen each day. By doing that, they are managing your expectations. Why would you not do that with your customer? If you tell your customer every Thursday morning, I'm going to pop in, see how things are going. And they expect to see you every other Thursday. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you don't show up. They're going to start calling. They may, they may jump to the conclusion, ooh, something's wrong or something bad could have happened, could have gone out of business. Who knows? Manage their expectations. When people don't hear from you, they start filling in the blanks with their own ideas, assumptions. Yes. And that is a really scary, bad place to go to. Yep. Um, Which goes back to the communication. The other, the other key to happy clients that I had written down was having great staff and a good team around you that are able, so you're able to multiply yourself. Yes. And cannot stress enough that if you are a person that is swamped and you're slam damn busy and you're super excited because the paychecks are rolling in and life is good oh, yeah. and you're like, woohoo, Taking I'm gonna be Friday able to off. I'm gonna be able to afford to go on a vacation. 
if you have stopped doing what you were doing to now service your clients or make the product, you're going to get on the the Trini train roller coaster where you're going up and down, up and down, okay. up and down. And if you're not able to hire and find and retain really good quality people, your clients are not going to be happy. When you come to the point, the realization that your business is running you, you better call somebody for some help. Because something mm-hmm. may be going good, but it's out of control and you need to run the business. It just, it's just going to be easier if you're doing that because then you know where you're going and why you're going. If all of a sudden yeah. you're just always on the defensive instead of the offensive, it, it makes growth difficult and adds stress to your life. Yeah. Not it's a good It's always sign. great to be in the proactive versus reactive seat. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I found another really good uh, quote that I think um, will fit pretty good with number 10. Okay. Number 10. Any other thoughts from you though on the key to happy clients? It just be seen. We solve a problem for them, be be seen seen and communicate. Mm -hmm. Set their, you need to manage their expectations and then do it. Yep. That's, it's that, a lot of life is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. So if you tell them you're going to come by every other Thursday just to check in, just do it. Number 10, why is the risk of starting your own business worth it no matter the outcome? I said you get to do what you want to do. That's the risk of starting your own business. You, If you truly have wanted to do that for years, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of it. That's the risk of it. And you went back to the, the e-myth. I did. Yeah, um, which makes perfect sense. Yep, I went back to the e-myth because um, it might not be worth it. It right. might it might be the thing that sinks you. It could be the thing that ruins you financially. Um, not everyone is wired to run a small business. And I think the more people that realize that they may not be the person that's wired to run the small business will, but the faster they can figure that out. Because I've watched so many people that either skip from failing business to failing business to failing business, um, or they get into a business, they pour all of their time and effort and energy and money into it and they come out the other end of it and they're broke and they're tired and their families are worse off than they were to begin with. And that's heartbreaking to me um, and they're just as a business down. coach. Yep. That's just, you know, so the more that we can help people prevent that, the better. But now if you are wired for the change, then awesome. Then there's, you know, you get on the right path, you get your good business plan, um, you have the right people in place, you have the right coaching, you have the right product, you have the right marketing. And the, for me personally, the benefit so far outweighs the opposite because I've never been a person that somebody else can tell what to do. Like, yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been in a position where I'm in charge and the one driving the ship and been very, very fortunate to work for people that allow me to do that, mm-hmm. which was good. Um, but not everybody's cut from the same cloth. Right. But you listened at key times to people when somebody pull you aside oh. and go, hey, you're doing wonderful on this, but you really have got to yeah, stop doing I'm, I was a terrible manager. It, that's hard. People have, I if was you've a never terrible manager. Yeah. And I think a lot of people remain terrible managers because they do not go through the steps necessary to become a good manager. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'll ever be a great manager because I don't love managing people. I love coaching people. And it's a very different type yes. of relationship. Yeah. But 
I've become a, a decent manager. The people that I've managed, I don't know, they could tell us whether or not that's true. <laughs> and that's where you go to find out. Because I've managed a bunch of people in previous lives of venues I've run, and it, it's hard. You've got to be able to say no. you got to be the bad guy, but you also give your – you have to put your employees in a position to win and mm-hmm. be successful. And if it's their decision – Tell everybody it was their decision. You can tell a bad manager if you're in a board meeting and your manager takes credit for something you did, that's a bad manager. Mm -hmm. If your manager gives you credit in front of the CEO and everybody else, that's a good manager. So if you're working for the person that takes credit for everything you did and saying, well, our department came up with this, that's a bad manager. You should recognize your your staff and your employees when they do well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if and if you're thinking about starting a small business and you're wondering whether or not you're wired for it, those are the kind of uh, conversations that we just love to have because helping people figure out whether or not they should start a small business is something that we've become very good at. Just asking them the right questions, getting them prepped for it. Um, I found a really another one of my favorite quotes by Jim Collins. Jim, if you're out there, um, greatness isn't a matter of circumstance. Greatness, it turns out, is largely a matter of conscious choice. And that, to me, is sums up what owning your own business is all about, is that you are consciously making decisions all the time. Even your decision to not act on something or make a decision is a decision. Yes, yeah. And we're, as we're taping this, I think we'll be done by about five o'clock and you're headed somewhere else, but I'm going to a networking event at five thirty yep. for that very reason. It's a conscious decision. I want to, I want us to be great. Not mm-hmm. good. Not so good. I'm going there good because there's is gonna, the enemy of great. There's a couple people that I want to get that I know are gonna be there and I want to meet them and get some mm-hmm. time with them. So what yep. are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? To be great. Yep. You can reach us on all social media outlets on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at wired2change.com. And if you're interested in asking us a few questions, you can also email us, info at wired2change.com. We would love questions for, from you that you want answered. And you can also go to wired2change.com and get information on our seminars that we have, both big group and small group and one-on-one coaching, and just see how we, we can help you. The first cup of coffee or big sweet biggie sweet tea is on us. Yes. And we also love connecting and collaborating with other coaches. So if you're a coach out there, um, whether you're coaching small companies, big companies, or something in between, we would love to chat with you as well. We will see you next time on Wired to Change. With the number two.